Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hang on, just one second. Yes, hello, police. Hello. Yes, my name is Sam Miller, and I need to report myself for a crime. What was my crime? Well, I'm pretty sure in the last 24 hours, I watched a pay-per-view caliber wrestling show, and I didn't pay one single penny for it. Because that's right, AEW Grand Slam is in the books, and what the hell am I meant to do other than stand here and fanboy out like an absolute nerd? So if you're not into that, well, you're going to watch anyway, so you can call me a bored asshole. You would be 100% correct. My name is Simon Miller. Welcome to What Coach Wrestling. It is ups and downs to the latest episode of AEW. Let's just get into it. I mean, that Tony Khan is one crazy awesome tamale, is he not? Because he decided, you know what? I think we should have our first match at AEW Grand Slam from Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York be Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. So you literally started the thing and then dreams were being chucked into your face. And just to bring it right back into a nice little package, it was flubbing brilliant. And we could sit here and go through every single move, but that would be doing it a disservice because it was the storytelling, it was the callbacks, it was the chemistry that these two have and that they are without a doubt two of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, they're probably not from this planet. They probably come from some alien planet known as Power Bomb Planet where you're taught to wrestle and then you're sent here to entertain us. I really regret calling it Powerbomb Planet, but I've said it now, we gotta go with it. I mean, it absolutely had everything too. I mean, to begin with, they were doing slow technical wrestling just so they could build the thing. But even then, your whole innards were just going crazy because even when the bell went ding, 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 20,000 people were just like, ah, I can't believe what I'm seeing, I can't believe it. So I'm there on my sofa going, ah, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. This was too much fun. And Daniel said in interviews that said he wanted to do some crazy stuff in AEW, but my word, I was not expecting this because not only did he take a dragon suplex on the entrance ramp, but Kenny Omega then took the longest run-up you've ever seen in your life and V-triggered him right in the face. All right, well, that's it. Brian Danielson's dead. He also took a buckle bomb over the top rope, and I was flipping out at that point. I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing to this man? But even then, he still was able to fight his way back into this, and he was doing old American Dragon stuff, and he was just reminding you, oh yeah, I have every single move in the book, and his kicks were just so damn hard-hitting. 
I'm gonna watch it again. There's also this tease about halfway through that Omega could have won by count out, but he decided against it. And honestly, when they were both then back in the square circle, they turned it up to another level still. They did a dragon sleeper off the top rope and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, almost fell right on his head. And that landing was absolutely disgusting. And I said yesterday when we tried to predict the show that if this ended in the draw, I would be perfectly fine with it because it'd be like two glorious trains just ramming into each other. And that's exactly what we did. But once again, we came up with kind of a fresh spin on it. Because it didn't end with somebody in a submission move or somebody going one, two, and then you would have got the three, but the timer went here. They were just kicking the absolute shit out of each other. And even when they knew the match was over, that nope, I'm not going to stop fighting. You come here, you little son of a bitch. The commentary team were on fire too, letting us know about each of the individual's past and what it could mean for the future. And sure, if you want to argue, well, actually, Simon, Brian Danielson was about to apply the label lock before the timer did run out. You're allowed to do that because this was just so layered. It was so loopy. It was so good. And it went for 30 minutes. But honestly, it felt about 72 seconds. And who cares that it was a draw? We have just set a rivalry up for an ages and we should start doing this match every single day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then do it twice on Sunday. And I promise you that I will watch every single one. And I bet even if we did do this, both guys would find a way to make all of them unique. You need to go and watch this right now. I have not even told you the half of it. It is so, 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 so fabulous. The Elite and the Jurassic Express ran out to make the save because, of course, there was going to be a big post-match brawl otherwise. And what on earth are we going to do when we get to round two? Now these two groups can feud for a little while and we should get to full gear and we should put the AEW world title on the line and then we're going to see even more V-triggers. We'll see one-winged angels. We'll see everything Brian Danielson has got. I think I need to go and lay down. Just fantastic though. I absolutely love pro wrestling. Please aliens don't send them back to Powerbomb Planet. And this one ain't even hard. It doesn't just get it up. Shouldn't have done that either. It gets a golden up. This was clearly a big show too, because as soon as we were done here, we got Sounds like some kind of worm has got into my mouth and ruined my vocal cords. What I'm trying to tell you is that CM Punk was out to cut a promo <laughs> up. He put over the first match because what the hell else could he have done? I mean, if you had put another match here, it would have been a mistake. And then he started to go on about how happy he is and how much he loves wrestling too. I really enjoyed positive CM Punk. His positivity radiates out of the screen and I start to feel better too. With all that said, CM Punk is still pissed off about what Team Taz did to him last week. So while he is going to skip around in the fields and enjoy the flowers, you don't want to tick him off too much because when you get the serious guy, we are all going to suffer. And I was like, well, look at that. He's simultaneously portraying both roles. This is pretty good. Taz and his boys didn't finish the job though, so come AEW Rampage, he will defeat Powerhouse Hobbs. This was just everything that it needed to be. And once again, there was 20,000 plus people just having the time of their lives. I mean, the noise was just crazy. And you could tell that this show had been packed to the gills too, because every single little thing they did meant something. Case in point next up was Brian Pillman Jr. 
take it on MJF. I mean, this is just getting ridiculous. Maxwell was obviously in super dick mode, so he actually tried to shake Brian's hand, even though he had gone on about his mother was a drug addict. And thankfully, Pillman Jr. just double-legged him and started punching him in the face. I was like, you're damn right. You don't get to run your mouth. MJF then kind of stunned him with a slap, but Brian Pillman Jr. just slapped him right back, and then he continued to kick the absolute crap out of him. So this was properly effective because it went to show that Brian Pillman Jr. is a super-duper babyface, and MGF is probably the worst person on the planet, and when you decide to walk that path, somebody eventually is going to kick you in the face. I mean, if you want to say he kind of felt like a wink-wink loose cannon, you absolutely could. And of course, at one point, Max was like, please, no, please don't attack me anymore, but it was a trick, and he slammed Brian Pillman Jr. right into the face. But Brian was still able to bust out a sunset flip. And then it did all go bad because MGF took his head once again and he hurled it into the floor. He then, of course, started to taunt Junior about his father. And you're like, Brian, man, you need to get in there and you need to shut this guy up. And of course, if MGF hadn't gone full on tall by the end of it, who the hell knows what would have happened? But Brian Pillman Jr. was building up for a big dive when Maxwell Jacob Friedman actually grabbed Julia Hart and used her as a shield. Imagine you did that with battle. You saw some guy running on a horse and he just had a person in their arm. I suppose this caused a mini distraction, but it actually worked against MGF, at least for a little while, because Brian Pillman was going to go for a springboard. But alas, he jumped right into the salt of the earth arm breaker and he had no choice but to tap out. And I tell you, the pure anger I had in my tum-tum, somebody's got to give MGF his. It does make sense, though, given that MGF lost his match to Chris Jericho recently, and it didn't do any harm to Brian Pillman Jr., who continued to climb up the rankings. And I suppose he could say if it wasn't for this nonsense with Julia Hart, he may have won. Point is up. Talking of Chris Jericho, too, he was then cutting an interview backstage with Jake Hagar. When Jake Hagar said, men of the year is the wrong name for you because you're more like the boys of the week. And I was like, Jake, great line, my friend. Although, to be fair, it really made me laugh. Because it is, without a doubt, one of the stupidest insults I have ever heard. And, of course, they're going to have a big fight on Rampage. And then we went straight into Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. I mean, at this point, it was just joyous stuff injected right into my veins. I felt particularly smug about this one because I did predict it in yesterday's video, which means absolutely nothing and just makes me a giant piece of cheese. But what we have done now is we have taken Malachi Black and we have put him on such a pedestal it's going to be quite hard to drag him down from it. Rhodes also came out with Brandy, and I thought that was really cool because, of course, it is her big return to AEW, right down to the fact that when she locked eyes with Malachi Black later on, she just flipped him off and dropped an F-bomb. I mean, she would do that. He basically tried to retire her husband. Malachi cut Cody off at one point when he was going for a springboard with a jumping knee, and that looked like it absolutely sucked. And then because these two are basically veterans of the ring, they were both going for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. But I guess they're both too good at it because nobody could figure it out. We do have to talk about the fact that the New York crowd had decided to cheer Malachi Black and boo Cody Rhodes. I thought both guys handled this wonderfully, especially Cody at one point, who looked to the fans like, I can't believe you're doing this. And then he definitely couldn't believe it, because from nowhere, Malachi just black masked him right in the face, and it hurt him so badly, he went limp, and he fell out of the ring. That led to an awesome near fall, because Cody got his foot on the bottom rope in the last seconds, and then we had another great near fall, because Cody Rhodes hit the crossroads, but Malachi Black kicked out of that, and if it wasn't for Arn Anderson... Who knows what would have happened? Because Malachi whipped Cody into Arn at one point, who decided to get on the apron, and who the hell knows why. And even though Rhodes on the outside going, Anderson, Anderson, are you okay? He was like, get back in there, boy, and whip his ass. 
And he really did take that literally because even the ref was like, Cody, you've got to back off a little bit. You're going to kill him. Seemingly, Black was prepared for this, though, or he was ready to do what was ever necessary. And maybe he'd had a phone call with the great Muta earlier in the day because he spat this black ghoul right into Cody Rhodes' face. So I guess now he's going to become like Hocus Pocus character. I am joking, of course, but you never do know. And that was enough to take him down. And just to add insult to injury, he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. And he got the one, two, three. And you knew he was proud of what he did because he sat there and just went, <laughs> this was like an end of level boss getting the victory. So damn good this. It felt like some kind of nuts roller coaster. And I'm massively intrigued, turn on that gland, to see what they're going to do next. Let's get it up. We then found out that next week or on some show soon, we are getting Miro versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. I mean, maybe one day we'll get a dynamite that doesn't have top tier matches, but not anytime soon. Sammy also promised to win the championship here, and then with his newfound wealth and cash, he will buy Fuego Del Sol a new car. Look, Sammy, don't do that. Nobody forced him to bet his last vehicle. He just did it. You need to teach him a lesson. Maybe at first, just buy him a bike. Miro also spoke throughout all of this, and as ever, he is just so good. I mean, he comes across like a crazy person, but I absolutely love him. I was then almost imploding with love because Sting was here. Sting! You know how I feel about this man. Up. He was teaming with his boy Darby Allen to take on FTR. And once again, the name of the game here, let's not waste any time and let's just get on with it. So even though Darby Allen was in the ring, because everybody wanted Sting, he tagged in, the place erupted. I was just so happy. The assholes then cheated to try and have a fighting chance, but they forgot who they were fighting here. You can't mess with the Stinger. Although unfortunately for Sting, he hadn't done his wrestling maths because it was two on one. So eventually they did kind of team up on him. Then I was sad again, but you just knew what was going to happen. Sting eventually got the hottest tag to Allen, who took both of FDR out with a coffin drop. But when he went for another one, Cash and Dak caught him and just chucked him right into the ring apron. And as ever, I'm like, Darby Allen, what are you doing? I turn into his mum. I'm worried that he's not eating well. I'm worried that he's not sleeping. And I'm worried that he's about to destroy his back. Sting soon got a fiery tag of his own. And I just have to ask the question, how is this man doing it? He is 62 years old and he moves around like he's 29. I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but he's still so flipping good, and it's almost like he's not aging at all. He also reversed a tombstone into a scorpion death drop when all of a sudden Tully Blanchard thought he'd try and get involved, and he wedged a chair between the turnbuckle. But that didn't work, because Sting threw FTR into it instead. He then punched Tully straight in the face, and just to send the fans home happy, we ticked every single good guy box. Because Sting applied the scorpion death lock onto Dax, at that point, Darby Allen cut off cash with yet another coffin drop. FDR had to tap out. And honestly, this was just Nice Times 9000. That's what it would be called if we wrote a song about it. Nice Times 9000. I mean, it wouldn't get anywhere because it's a stupid title to begin with. The point was, it was exactly what it needed to be. So Sting is just the best. Darby Allen is just getting better every single week. And FDR, a phenomenal tag team. Just great. Look at that. What's that? But just great. Amazingly, too, our main event on AEW's biggest show ever was then Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho for the AEW women's title. And do not forget, do not let this get past you, that a few months ago, Ruby Wright couldn't even get on WWE TV, and now she's in this position. And if that doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy in your tum-tum, then you must have a warm and fuzzy tum-tum protector installed in you. And I would advise that you got rid of it, because it's much better to enjoy the warm and fuzziness. 
How do we get here? I don't know. Point is up. Almost channeling the opener, they started by wrestling too, and it was very good. Until Ruby decided, man, I am sick of Raul, and I am sick of Jamie Hayter. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to climb to the top rope, and I'm going to do a crossbody onto both of them. Now, the problem with this is that she basically created her own distraction. So Britt Baker got her and gave her a neck breaker on the floor. And this was me reacting to it. I was like, man, that looked like it hurt. We then went into transition town as Ruby was hitting kick after kick with Britt Baker, then reversed with the forearm. But then Britt Baker was getting backdrop before she hit a super kick out of nowhere. I was like, oh my gosh, here it is. I knew it was coming, especially at Arthur Ashe Stadium wrestling tennis. This is how I play tennis, apparently. It's no wonder I never turned pro. Britt Baker was then going for the log jaw, but Ruby was able to get out of that. But apparently Rebel thought, oh no, I can see the end is near because she passed Baker her Michael Jackson-esque glove. But even then, they just continued to fight. Soho was then able to get out of the way of the stomp and turn that into a Boston Crab. And then she then hit this senton for a really close near fall, which I bought because again, I'm an idiot. And then they went crazy and climbed the top rope and did an avalanche air raid crash. And that name is perfectly apt because when their bodies were on the floor, it certainly looked like they'd been in some kind of a wreck. Baker then stomped Soho's face into the steel steps and I was like, sheesh, but this actually built to one final awesome near fall because Britt Baker was arguing the referee, so Ruby Soho snuck in there and she hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. But sadly, this didn't work, and you just knew what was around the corner. Because Rebel and Hater, who had been being assholes the entire time, went into full-on crazy mode, it meant Ruby Soho had to try and fight them off. Eventually, she did end up in the lockjaw. She had to tap out and steal your AEW Women's Champion, the DMD. So this was really good, and the whole show overall was just a 10 out of 10 experience, and you really do need to go and check it out for yourself. And if you don't like it... Well, that's okay. You know, you have to decide what is fun and what is not fun. But for me, I thought it was 100% tremendous. And overall, actually, screw it. It's not just getting an up. Overall, it gets a golden up.